2: The Telegraph. the Telegraph podcasts. US unemployment soars.
3: Twenty point five million jobs lost in April. If that's more than were lost in the entirety of the two thousand and seven to nine crash.
2: Wales and Scotland move at different speeds.
3: We will adjust our regulations to allow people to be able to go outside to exercise more than once a day.
2: And the inside story of how an email from a Turkish T-shirt salesman led to a UK PPE fiasco. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. Over 20 million Americans lost their jobs in April as the pandemic triggered the worst jobs crisis since the Great Depression. The shattering impact of the lockdown on the world's largest economy was laid bare as the unemployment rate was pushed to 14.7%, the highest rate since the 1930s. As recently as February, US unemployment stood at a 50-year low, but mass layoffs mean barely half the working age population now has a job. Ben riley smith is the Telegraph US editor.
3: The unemployment stats out today really were eye-wateringly bad. Twenty point five million jobs lost in April. To put that in perspective, that's more than were lost in the entirety of the two thousand and seven to nine crash. And that prompts the question: What does it mean politically for Donald Trump? I think the first thing to say is he's not necessarily going to get blame for this downturn. I was talking to a Republican congressman last week who was saying, "Listen." This wasn't a policy of Trump's that triggered this crash. He didn't somehow muck up the tax policy. It's an outside force that is hitting the US economy as it's hitting economies across the world. The real political significance, I think, is in the utterly transformed political landscape that that economic change leaves for the November election. The heart of Trump's pitch for a second term was that he had this amazing economy. He was America's CEO, and the jobs figures had hit record highs, the stock market was soaring, and he was essentially asking that question that Ronald Reagan did to voters in the 80s. Are you better off than you were four years ago? And the answer, according to the statistics, was undeniably yes. Now Trump has an utterly different landscape to which he's trying to pitch voters for a second term. How does he do that? How does he convince them that he should get four more years, when instead of amazing growth and a golden economy, to use his words, there is now record unemployment, a deep recession coming and something that we haven't seen in our lifetimes, which leads us on to how Trump and Joe Biden, the Democrat candidate, likely candidate, are going to pitch their economic message in November. It's all about essentially appearing to be America's economic saviour. Trump is saying, I created this golden economy it got snatched away from me by coronavirus, but I can do it again if you give me a chance. And Joe Biden is saying, me and Barack Obama got us out of the last hole in 8 and got us back to growth. Give me the chance to do it and we can do it again. That debate is gonna be one of the most important battles in this year's election.
2: The UK's four-nation handling of the coronavirus crisis is splintering, with Wales and Scotland easing their lockdowns at different speeds. Welsh First Minister Mark Drakeford said garden centres could reopen in Wales from Monday, while people will be allowed to exercise outside more than once a day. But Scotland's First Minister Nicola Sturgeon said she was keeping all aspects of the lockdown in place, noting that Scotland's R-rate was higher than in other parts of the country. Boris Johnson and Nicola Sturgeon have consistently expressed their wish to maintain a UK-wide approach in order to avoid confusing messaging. But today, the First Minister acknowledged that different parts of the country may take different approaches to lifting the lockdown. The four
0: UK nations may well move at different speeds if our data uh, and t- about the spread of the virus says that that is necessary to suppress it but that we would, of course, continue to coordinate our planning and our messaging as far as possible. And I think that is helpful and
2: welcome. Boris Johnson's expected to lift some measures for England when he addresses the country on Sunday evening, but the government's warned the public to expect small, incremental steps. What's clear is that however he proceeds will now put him at odds with at least one nation. It comes as the RAC reported an 11% rise in vehicles on the UK's roads compared to the second week of lockdown, citing lockdown fatigue as the primary reason. Earlier, I spoke to behavioural scientist, Professor Ben Voye. He told me that the key to avoid further breakdown of the lockdown, will be for the government to give very precise instructions.
0: Policymakers need to understand that at this stage, people are after certainty rather than uncertainty. And they need to have an end in sight. Uh, otherwise, the fatigue is going to settle in. First of all, simplify whatever you put in place so that it becomes a routine. If you want it to be the new normal, it needs to feel like the new normal. And after 9-11, everyone flying got used to additional screening criteria and so on. Second, things need to be specific. Uh, People like one, two, three steps. They don't like things being vague, complicated, subject to interpretation. The last thing to bear in mind is that uh, people will get used to all the communication campaigns that are being put in place and the messages will become less efficient. So you need to vary messages and the way messages are broadcasted, vary rational messages with emotional messages, vary uh, the people that are um, displayed and portrayed uh, in all the ads that are being used so that people always see something novel in the message which will remind them that uh, they need to focus on uh, what we're asking them to do.
2: It's tested the health services of even the world's wealthiest nations. What then if it truly takes hold in some of the world's poorest? Today, the World Health Organization warned that if coronavirus isn't controlled, it could kill up to 190,000 people in Africa over the next year. WHO modelling found that up to 44 million people could be infected if African countries don't succeed in managing the spread. It comes amid warnings that the continent of 1.3 billion people is uniquely Vulnerable to the pandemic. The Telegraph's Will Brown explains why.
1: So, coronavirus has spread to almost every country in sub Saharan Africa. Now, Africa is very vulnerable to the virus. It has high rates of malnutrition, infectious diseases like malaria, and southern Africa has millions of people living with HIV. There are gaping holes in healthcare systems. On average, uh, African countries have about one doctor for every 5,000 people. For comparison, the UK has about 14. According to to this new WHO study, the the pandemic could kill almost 200,000 Africans over the next year. But what's even more worrying than that is researchers say the pandemic could last for years in Africa and smoulder on in different transmission hotspots. Africa seems to have a lower transmission rate than the rest of the world. The virus is spreading, but it's not spreading exponentially, according to the Uh, WHO. One reason for this is the continent is incredibly young. Uh, The median age is about 19. Uh, Another reason could be geography. Africa is utterly vast, and there are a lot of people living in remote rural areas. So far, the majority of African leaders seem to have taken coronavirus pretty seriously. Uh, When the pandemic started, a lot of countries just stopped all international travel to buy themselves as much time as possible. However, there are several very worrying cases. Uh, For example, in Tanzania, Tanzania, the president has been downplaying the seriousness of the pandemic and telling people that going to church will save them from virus. Now, reportedly, Tanzanian hospitals are being overwhelmed by patients with coronavirus symptoms, and we're seeing lots of unconfirmed videos of dead bodies lying in the street. Um, another really worrying case is Kano State in northern Nigeria. Over the last few weeks, there's been hundreds of mysterious deaths there, and doctors are saying it's coronavirus, but they can't test for it.
2: As shortages of personal protective equipment for healthcare staff persist, 2,000 items from a shipment of gowns to the UK from Turkey, widely held by ministers as a possible solution to the problem, were deemed unusable. My colleague Bill Gardner has been looking into how the UK ended up buying faulty PPE and the cost of such a mistake.
4: It began with an emailed offer of help from a t shirt salesman in Turkey, and it ended in chaos. The UK was in the midst of a PPE crisis. Care homes and hospitals had reported widespread shortages and the death rate among frontline NHS staff was rising fast. So the government was forced to issue an appeal for supplies. And among the responses, Mehmet Duzen, a former Turkish parliamentary candidate turned textile salesman from Istanbul. In his email, he said he had a factory capable of churning out hundreds of thousands of hospital gowns, each adhering to stringent safety standards. And after two weeks without a reply, Mr. Doosan received a grateful response from the Department of Health. Eventually, 400,000 gowns were ordered, with strict instructions to follow UK standards to the letter. The material and sleeve lengths had to be just right. But the company, called Selenia, had only been founded in January. And while it had experience making T-shirts and tracksuits, that experience didn't yet stretch to PPE or high-quality medical kit. Later, the chairman of the Healthcare Supply Association, Mark Roscroe, who represents NHS procurement chiefs across the country, said that Selenia's lack of a track record should have raised the alarm. But on the day that the order was placed in mid-April, Public Health England had sent out an unprecedented alert asking health workers to reuse their disposable gowns or even wear aprons and lab coats instead. The pressure to say where the next shipment of vital PPE was coming from was intense. So on April the 19th, the community secretary, Robert Jenrick, told the nation about the Turkish delivery during the daily Downing Street press conference.
3: In fact, today I can report uh, that a very large consignment of PPE is due to arrive in the UK uh, tomorrow
4: from Turkey, which amounts to 84 uh, 84 tonnes of uh, PPE. According to one report, however, officials from the Department of Health had warned Number 10 not to publicise the deal at all, but had been overruled. And behind the scenes, there were already problems. A strict lockdown had been enforced in Turkey that weekend. Some of Mr Duzen's supplies were unavailable. And some of his factory workers had been forced to stay at home. The firm hadn't yet even formally secured an export licence from the Turkish government. We're working to resolve the Turkish shipment of PPE as soon as possible, following some unexpected delays. Under increasing pressure, UK ministers sent a plane to Turkey on the Monday afternoon to apply more pressure and continued to issue press releases promising the delivery was on its way. The RAF plane, by this time dubbed Air Generic, was pictured waiting on the tarmac at an airport in Istanbul. Eventually, the Turkish government took pity on the UK and arranged for a small shipment of quality gowns, but only enough to supply NHS hospitals for a few hours. Later that week, 67,000 Selenya gowns were packed onto RAF planes, After they've reportedly been checked by UK officials in Turkey. But when they arrived, disaster. Only 4,500, that's 1%, have passed quality control tests so they can be used. Tests on over 2,000 of the gowns showed they wouldn't keep NHS workers safe after all. Thousands were impounded inside a warehouse near Heathrow, where they remain today, and the next delivery of 170,000 gowns is still in Turkey being checked for safety. The provider, Mr. Dusan says he hadn't received any complaints from the NHS and he's insisted the fabric was certified. It's understood, however, that Department of Health officials have asked the to either pay back the deposit or replace the faulty gowns with safe ones. The full financial cost of the error is unknown and hasn't yet been decided. The full order is thought to have been in the region of around £300,000. The true cost, however, may lie in time wasted and potentially public trust in the government to keep our health workers safe.
2: That's it from me until Monday evening. I hope you have a lovely, albeit socially distanced weekend. If you've been finding these updates helpful, I'd really appreciate it if you could give this podcast a five-star rating and maybe even write a short review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show. If you're twiddling your thumbs this weekend, I've recommended several of these on this podcast already, but I really can't stress enough how well put together The Telegraph's short documentary series on the pandemic is. If you've missed the episode about the economy, I'm going to put the link in the show notes to this episode. It tells you how prepared the global economy was for a pandemic and crucially what the implications are of a global economy that's become more and more interconnected as we face a worldwide crisis. If you're looking to escape the doom and gloom, I'm also going to link to a piece by my colleague Lucy Denier, who's our assistant comment editor. She's written about why millions of people are actually enjoying the lockdown. If you're not already a Telegraph subscriber, don't forget that you can get seven days free access to the website at telegraph.co.uk slash audio. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on one of next week's shows, email me. The address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. You can also find me on Twitter. It's at T underscore Leludis. Quite why I didn't take at Theodora Leludis is beyond me because I doubt there are many others on there. But I'm Theodora Leludis and this is Coronavirus The Latest.